Hello everybody, this is Salil Tripathi from the Institute for Human Rights and Business. I'm in Geneva at a legal seminar with Seema Joshi. Seema is the head of business and human rights at the International Secretariat of Amnesty International. And they, are, they have recently published a report about conditions in oil palm plantations in Indonesia. Uh, Seema, thank you for the report. And uh, um, I wanted to know what prompted the report to be done. What are the key issues that you were looking for? Um, thanks, Salil. Uh, what prompted the report was that uh, we were aware that um, there are serious human rights abuses happening um, in supply chains more generally. We had last year done some extensive research into cobalt supply chains as well as other mineral supply mm -hmm. chains in the past. So we were very curious to get a better understanding of exactly what types of abuses could be linked to palm oil supply chains mm -hmm. in particular. And, and what were the key findings? Um, the key findings are our research is based off um, both desk-based research as well as field research. Uh, so we went and did investigations on um, five plantations which are operated by um, two of our subsidiaries of the company Wilmar and three this by is based in Singapore, is that right? Um, so the company Wilmar is based in Singapore, right. but the plantations are in Indonesia. Mm -hmm. So Indonesia is one of the world's largest like, places where palm oil plantations right. are actually um, located. So a lot of the palm oil we have in our products, which are actually over 50% of the products that you and I use. Such as? Um, such as um, toothpaste, uh -huh. um, shampoos. Mm -hmm. Uh, peanut butter is, is one that has gotten a lot of attention in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, cosmetics. Mm -hmm. um, so we're really animal food. <laughs> mm -hmm. So the list So it's actually, what you might pick up at a supermarket. The chances are very high that it may have a palm oil component. That's definitely. Of many things. Yes. Many products oh, definitely. Are. I mean, there at least 50% of mm -hmm. the products that we consume have palm oil in it or palm oil derivative mm -hmm. and and sometimes it is labeled as palm oil and other times it's it's another name which is actually associated with palm oil mm -hmm. so as, as part of our findings um, what we did confirm is that there are serious systemic labor abuses happening on both la uh, both Wilmar's own plantations as well as those in other companies that supply Wilmar so what kind are we talking about child labor forced labor harassment of women uh, we are talking about um, child labor. Mm -hmm. uh, we spoke to um, children as young as um, seven, mm -hmm. you know, who were helping um, his parents, uh, particularly his father, to harvest um, fresh fruit mm -hmm. bunches. Um, we spoke with another child who was 12 who spoke about, um, you know, leaving school when they were 10 in order to help, again, um, his father who worked as a harvester on the plantations to harvest um, palm oil fruit uh, and therefore wasn't going to school. So child labor, um, we also found instances where women uh, on one of the suppliers, this is just one example, to Wilmar, um, they were basically um, carrying out work under the threat of non-payment. Mm -hmm. um, if they did reach their target, their daily target of, of let's say, if they were spraying um, pesticides, if they mm -hmm. didn't reach that target, they were mm -hmm. operating under the threat of penalties mm -hmm. uh, if their work was not done um, to the target level. So, um, you know, we found instances of, of forced labor, so mm -hmm. that's just one example, but there are others 
uh, we found um, and all these are violations of Indonesian law, international standards. Yes, in fact, they are violations of Indonesian law as well as, as we know, um, the international yeah. labor organization standards. Um, as well, we found um, quite um, systemic discrimination against women. Uh, and this particularly uh, manifests itself as, as women are provided with temporary contracts as opposed to permanent contracts. Mm -hmm. So what we saw was that male workers who tended to be harvesters, um, you know, they did have permanent contracts, which therefore you are entitled to some job security. For example, um, you know, pension or, or if you get hurt, some type of um, sickness. Compensation, yes. That's right. Or, or at least some type of provisions. Uh, but as a temporary worker, women were therefore denied those mm -hmm. extra benefits. And in, in one instance, um, you know, we, we spoke to one woman who had worked for over 20 years um, doing maintenance jobs mm -hmm. on the plantation and was still a temporary worker. Right. Um, so in addition to that, we, you know, what we were saying was that actually what we saw was that because targets in this the way that pay or workers are actually paid, it actually encourages or, or forces workers to work, do strenuous work mm -hmm. for many hours in order to get the appropriate pay right. and, and in order to meet targets. So there are circumstances that because of those conditions, they actually bring in their wives um, and right. their children right. to actually meet their target. So this sounds very similar to me, honestly, to the problems I had seen in Liberia some years ago, where a similar plantation and the companies were, exactly, people were forced to bring their family in order to meet their quota. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So in these instances... And this was a rubber plantation, but this is the same principle. Yeah, yeah exactly. So in some you know, correspondence, or we know that Wilmar, the company, you know, they um, had said that they had looked at the issue of child labor in one of their um, sort of, this came out in one of the audits that had been mm -hmm. done, but they didn't find that they had employed children. Um, no one was employed under the age of 18, but actually they're missing the point because it's not that they're directly employing people under the age yeah. of 18. It's because children are coming out to help their the circumstances force those decisions. Yes, yes. Exactly, exactly. So what have you told the companies? Let's move to a step back and look at the international framework. Uh, we have the guiding principles. We have the ILO conventions. Uh, and we have companies' own codes of conduct. Something is clearly not working. Uh, yeah, the, I'd, I'd say that's an understatement. Okay. <laughs> so tell uh, me what's happening. Yeah, so Wilmar, um, for in the palm oil industry, I mean, Wilmar, which is the, you know, it trades, you know, about 45% of, of the world's, palm oil and Wilmar itself is, is is a member of the round table on sustainable palm oil referred to as the RSPO. Which is a multi-stake yeah. Yeah so it's it's a multi-stakeholder mechanism it's, it's essentially a certification mechanism mm -hmm. uh, and there are certain conditions standards when those are met the palm oil is um, certified sustainable mm -hmm. palm oil uh, and there are different categories that that can happen in. Um, so Wilmar actually is a member of the RSPO, and then apart from that, it has a separate no exploitation policy, right. uh, which it developed um, a few years ago. So under that no exploitation policy, it actually pretty much says that there will be no exploitation, which includes labor abuses, mm -hmm. not only on its own plantations, but also within its supply chain. So, you know, what we found is actually not only have they not fulfilled their own policy, you know, but actually in Indonesia, they've breached Indonesian law, as we basically said earlier. Um, so, you know, when we step into international law, we, we know that currently under 
the business and human rights framework, companies have a responsibility to respect human rights. So it's clear, you know, by the fact that, you know, even on their own plantations, you know, they're they're not meeting, you know, the labor requirements of right. Indonesian law. Uh, they've not only doing that, but they haven't even satisfied their own exploitation policy. They they are failing to meet their responsibility to respect human rights. Right. And and that also comes up obviously with respect to its suppliers. Um, you know they they are not doing the adequate due diligence. You know on mm-hmm. their suppliers to ensure right. that these types of labor abuses that the risks are adequately identified or the severe abuses addressed and remediated. So one final question: What do you want me to do as a consumer? So, if I go to the supermarket tomorrow, what do you want me to do? Boycott well, products? No. We, well, what we want to do is, you know, what we've done in our research is we have actually traced palm oil from the plantations that we documented labor abuses on to not just to Wilmar, but also to Wilmar's customers. Mm-hmm. So Wilmar's customers are the large multinationals. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the, the largest multinationals that produce many of our goods. So mm-hmm. these include Nestle, Procter Gamble, um, Reckitt, you know, Kellogg's, Colgate, um, you know, so just to name a few. So, yes. so you can imagine what we did was that we were also in a lot of correspondence with these companies and we asked them what due diligence they have done to actually identify labor abuses of the type we've just spoken about, if they've identified them and, and addressed them. Um, it was clear through the correspondence that while companies say that they have many provisions in place and that they're actually, you know, labor abuses are not allowed as part of their supply chain and that they have processes, none were actually able to say that they had identified mm-hmm. the severe labor abuses that we pointed out. Despite, um, for seven of the nine companies that we identified, we could we could link it to their to those companies. So off the back of that, we asked these companies to disclose which products um, they produce that contain palm oil from Wilmar and from Indonesia. Mm-hmm. Uh, in response to that, um, only Kellogg's actually came back in the very first instance with all the information saying that they had used they did use that palm oil from Wilmar from Indonesia um, as part of its joint venture operations in China to produce Pringles chips mm-hmm. for a Chinese audience distributed made in China. Reckitt, um, Bankasur also came back and said that um, that particular palm oil goes into soap noodles, mm-hmm. that goes into the production of soap. Uh, subsequently, they <coughs> disclosed that it was Detol soap. Um, but for the other companies, they still have not disclosed right. which products they make, uh, including Unilever, which is, which is a massive... Yes. Um, customer of Wilmar and also has a large presence on the market. Um, they've not yet disclosed which products they make contain not only palm oil but palm oil that is sourced from Wilmar and its Indonesian um, right. plantations. Right. So, as a customer, what we want is that we want to demand more transparency mm-hmm. with respect to the products that we consume. So, you know, we are calling on everyday consumers like you and I to basically raise this issue and actually demand transparency. So, you know, the origins of the palm oil in our products is, is disclosed to us. Yes. It's made more transparent. So therefore, as an ethical consumer, we can actually make the right choices. Yes. And, you know, we want to believe that when we make a choice for sustainable and certified palm oil, that, you know, it's actually having the impact that we yes. want. 
Another major advantage I see from this report and the work is that the definition of sustainability is too often seen in terms of biodiversity and environment, and you're putting the human element back into it. That's right. So thank you very much, and all the best with your report and your campaign. Thank you very much, Salil.